welcome back to Butter With That, a movies podcast where a couple of friends who are from Philly but aren't all there right now talk about a bunch of movies that they like, they don't like, and everything in between. Uh, I'm Sam, and we are on our way to wrap up our uh, Miss the Boat month. I'm so excited to share mine with you. I'll give y'all a hint. My shirt. Um, <laughs> which um, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about. But before we really delve deep into Star Wars, um, how's everybody doing? Have you seen any good movies lately? What have you been watching to get through quarantine? I've been keeping up with uh, Westworld and Clone Wars. Those have been two of the shows I've been keeping up with. Um, I felt like episode five of Westworld was interesting, but it's been getting like 10 out of 10s at a bunch of places. So I don't know. I got to think about my thoughts on that one. Right. Anyone else? Um, Yesterday, we did a movie watching thing with some of the Cinema 76 people. So we all did a Google hang and watched uh, The Descent together. Uh, which is a pretty solid, like, interesting horror film. So it was, like, fun to rewatch with the group and talk about that movie. Um, but it's been weird. I haven't, we haven't been watching as many movies lately. So, um, yeah. But we're about to start doing a John Waters week at Cinema 76. So I'm going <laughs> to, nice. uh, I'm going to be watching some John Waters next week, which I'm very excited about. That's exciting. Have you seen any of his movies? Um... I don't think I've seen any of them all the way. Like, I've seen clips from stuff. Um, but I love John Waters. Like, I've read some of his books. I went and saw his exhibit in Baltimore, uh, which was really cool with some of his art, um, including a version of Pink Flamingos that was done by children. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Wow. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be writing about Desperate Living, which I'm really excited about. Um, it's mm. a pretty interesting plot. Um, and then I think I'm just going to watch a bunch of other stuff throughout the week. So, Cool. Yeah. I watched um, Repo Man for the first time. Uh, that was crazy. That was a crazy ride. Uh, uh, young Emilio Estevez. I think my conception of what that movie was did not match what it, what it was. Like, my friends and I were trying to decide what movie we were going to watch, like, you know, a Zoom party or whatever. And uh, somebody brought up Repo Man. And in my brain, it, it's like an action, like not starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, but in my mind, it was kind of like that kind of movie, beefy action figure Repo Man. I didn't realize that it's this like very weird sort of dark comedy satire with glowing cars and a really wonderful soundtrack I, yeah it, it was a it, I wouldn't I yeah still <laughs> a lot of questions uh it was a, it was a fun ride though that last sequence with the glowing car just like flying up into space crazy mm. I'd like to think that's uh what actually happened to Harry Dean Stanton I oh love Harry Dean Stanton and he's like so insane and just like he's like such a good insane presence in like most things yeah. He, yeah, while we were watching it, there were moments where he clearly fucked up his lines and we're like, is, was that like part of the script or was it? And then later we read that it was like he, for the first third of uh, the 
filming of the movie, he refused to learn his lines because <laughs> he didn't want to be talked to or like didn't want to be like ordered around by like a 20 something recent film school grad. He's like, I'm a mature actor. I will not <laughs> learn these lines. It was like, it was clear from the first half of the movie. But anyhow. Great. <laughs> uh, Dave, did you see anything? Well, I've um, I've nearly finished rewatching all of King of the Hill. Um, it's just two hundred and fifty nine episodes. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it warms my heart every time. It's you know just sort of like um, it's great background uh, background noise. Although I generally find myself pretty immersed while watching. So that's on Hulu. If anyone wants to check it out, I would really recommend it. Great show. I don't think we talked about this on the podcast, but somebody on YouTube did a really good. Um, crossover of king of the hill and neon genesis evangelion intro which I oh yeah yeah uh, that was which good. is hilarious you should look it up yeah it was funny great um i watched the kitchen with melissa mccarthy uh tiffany haddish and elizabeth moss um i liked it i think that you know it it left it left me wanting for a few things like character development and maybe like a, a little bit of a speedier movie, but you know, given what it was, it was like a female mafia movie. I thought it like really kicked ass in a lot of ways. Um, the one thing I will say that I really disliked about it is that they made Tiffany Haddish's character kind of like the, the one that double crosses everybody. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I, I don't think that you needed to do that to the only black person in the, the movie. So like, I, I, I was really disturbed by that, but other than that, the movie was good. Um, which interestingly, so my roommates and I have been doing movie nights, um, every weekend, a couple weekends ago, we watched Invisible Man starring Elizabeth Moss. Then we watched The Kitchen, which stars Elizabeth Moss and Donald Gleason, who coincidentally also stars in a movie we watched together as well that we're talking about today, which is Star Wars The Force Awakens. So uh, my pick for Miss the Boat Month is not just a movie. Yes, I chose The Force Awakens, but it's really the, the whole saga of Star Wars. Um, I definitely came to it later in life, probably in like 2017, 2018. So, you know, at like at the ripe age of 27 and 28, I finally found Star Wars, but it was something that I like immediately, once I started to really get into the movies, like immediately fell in love with. Um, I definitely want to hear your thoughts about The Force Awakens, but I just kind of want to like really go over why I hesitated on watching Star Wars or, you know, like why I felt like particularly triggered by it a little bit. So, you know, why have I missed the boat so much on this franchise? So I think that there's a lot of reasons, you know, first, um, my parents aren't that into science fiction or fantasy really at all. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't, have a lot of choice. My parents were really great in like giving me options and like letting me make my own decisions. But you know, if, if you don't even know fantasy and science fiction is an option, like there's no way I was ever going to really stumble upon Star Wars myself. And like, I didn't get the internet until I was like 14 or 15. And by that point I had already been influenced by other things. Um, 
So like some of the other reasons why I think I, I stayed away from Star Wars so much is um, what I'm calling gendered subjects in media. Um, I think we've touched on this before, but science, science fiction, fantasy are things that feel very much a, like a, a male dominated sphere. And, um, you know, when I was growing up, I really loved science as a kid. I participated in the science fair. I got first place, <laughs> uh, with a project about air pressure. So like suck on that. Um, but you know, like as I got older, I think that my passion really faded and I, I don't really know why I think it's like a combination of the fact that like I didn't have great teachers and um, you know, I wasn't really being like nurtured in the way that I should be. But um, in my notes, I, I wrote about this story of um, my, I can't remember what year it was. It must've been sophomore year of high school. My parents went to a parent teacher conference and my science teacher, Mr. Thomas uh, said to my parents, he didn't expect a lot from me. And you know, like when you hear that from a teacher, like even though like they didn't say it to me, you can go one of two ways. You can be like, okay, well then I'm not going to give a shit. Or you can be like, oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. I went, okay, well then I'm not going to give a shit. And so like I checked out for that whole class and you know, I'm really disappointed in that. But I, I think that speaks to like a, a larger argument, which is um, something I wrote about the the lack of women in steam field. And so I think like my experience is something that's, it's common. So when you associate movies like Star Wars with um, people like Mr. Thomas, it, it becomes easy to understand why I'd try to avoid it because I went from not knowing it existed to actively avoiding watching it. I think the first Star Wars movie I saw was Revenge of the Sith and I saw it in the drive-in. Jen, if you're listening to this, confirm that for me because I don't remember. Um, but I remember going like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, this is fine, but it's science and space. I'm like, I'm deeply afraid of space. <laughs> I don't really care. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, outside of that, though, um, I feel like gatekeeping is also something that kept me away from Star Wars quite a bit. Um I would love to hear everyone else's thoughts about this because I, I imagine that this is not only a gender kind of thing, but, you know, when I say gatekeeping, I mean like, um, you know, science fiction, sports, comic books are once again, like very male assigned things, very gendered. And when women like those things, there's like these hurdles that we have to jump through to prove that like we're actual fans. Um, I'm going to pull up my notes really quick to, I was, I was definitely feeling some kind of way when I wrote this, um, where I said, um, oftentimes men will assume women like these bits of media because it's popular because they find someone attractive who gives a shit. If I think that Oscar Isaac is hot, or if I know that Han shot first, neither of those things matter in the grand scheme of star Wars. So I think that's true. And, um, I think that like, gatekeeping happens all of the time for all different types of people. But, you know, like really looking back on why I avoided this franchise, I, f I feel like that's why. And I'm, I'm bummed because you know, I ended up really loving these movies and I wish I would have discovered those at an earlier point in time. Um, and that was a lot of information in me talking, but, you know, I'm curious, 
I know that this was not my singular experience. So before we really get into Star Wars, have you folks ever felt that way about anything like really popular, like comic books or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, like, I think for me, I got lucky because my dad loves Star Wars. And so like, I was watching those when I was like five years old with him and got really into them. So like, it didn't feel like it was a gender thing until later in life when I realized there's a lot of toxic Star Wars fans out there and a lot of them are dudes. And especially with the new franchise coming out, especially with stuff around um, The Last Jedi, which is my favorite in the three, like there's so much just like toxic shit and like kind of feeling like they don't really want women to be able to do anything in this world. Um, and that's like really shitty, especially when I'm like, cause for me, like it was where I was like, fuck you. Like this has been my thing since I was five years old. Like, you're not going to tell me this isn't my thing. Like, like you can fuck off. <laughs> like, but like, you're right. And that is like a thing that in general with like a lot of these genres and things like I know you love like the Marvel franchise but like superhero stuff felt like all kind of like gatekeeping from like dudes um and like you know even there's like a lot of like kind of very masculine sci-fi writing and stuff out there too that doesn't feel super great but like um one thing that is least like a cool positive thing for me is like someone that likes reading a lot of sci-fi. There's just like so many awesome female sci-fi writers out there now that are doing like incredible shit. Like NK Jemison is a fantastic writer um, and Anne Leckie. So it's like kind of feels like it's opening more up to like a diverse community, um, which is hopefully the route that all of this stuff will take. Um, also, Sam, there's a podcast called Newcomers that um, is done by the comedians uh, Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer, and they're watching Star Wars for the first time. <laughs> and it's very, very funny to like listen to all of their reactions to it, coming from a place where they were like, I didn't want to give a fuck about any of this stuff. And now I like care so much about these dumb little details that I made fun of people for. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Thanks for sharing that, Tori. Anyone else feel similarly about Star Wars or anything else? I feel like I'm a casual Star Wars fan. Um, I have seen, of the newest three movies, I've only seen Force Awakens. Ooh, did we? Yeah, no, no we said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the episode description. <laughs> I have, I've only seen The Force Awakens and I haven't seen the, the next two movies. Um, so I'm really like excited to, and so I feel like I get invested in any Star Wars movie that I watch. Like I love, I really liked Rogue One and I feel like I didn't really have a lot of information. I knew the, the setup of the movie, but I feel like it's kind of fun to watch these movies with people that do have a real passion for the Star Wars lore and the characters and everything. Um, it does feel overwhelming to like want to become an expert on Star Wars because there is so much out there. Um, but for now, I feel like uh, my position as casual Star Wars fan is like good enough for me r at this moment in my 
in my life. Yeah, Christine, I feel like you bring up a really great point of how overwhelming it could feel. Um, I definitely remember feeling like that once I actually started to give these movies a try. So um, I caught the boat when an old roommate of mine, her name was Elise. Oh my God, I almost forgot her name. Um, She was very much into Star Wars, very much into Lord of the Rings. And like, she was so passionate about it. I was like, all right, like, I guess, I guess I will give this a shot. And so I started with The Force Awakens and was like, I really like this. Oh my God. And I think it's because the, the characters are like really relatable and um, like, I actually want to root for them, even the bad guys. And so once I, I built an attachment to them, I was like, Oh, you know, it's worth, it's worthwhile to go back and watch the others. And I'm so glad that I did because Empire Strikes Back is definitely my favorite and pretty, pretty sure R2D2 is my soulmate, like pretty sure. Um, but so what did you guys think of the force awakens? So I'm a really big, probably like star Wars and game of Thrones are probably the two universes I geek them uh, out the most for. And I really like the force awakens. I think this is the best Disney star Wars film that Disney has made. And it was their first one, which is kind of disappointing, but, um, yeah, I just felt like this really kicked off the new era of Star Wars really well. Um, I've probably seen this movie, I think this is my fourth or fifth time watching it. Um, and every time when, you know, so many of the scenes I still get like chills or still get the feelings for, it just feels really, in a lot of ways, quintessential Star Wars, even though this was made years and years and years after the original trilogy. Uh, <clears throat> so I would have been a Star Wars fan since, yeah, about like like... Uh, like you, Tori, by about five years old. Um, something that was impressed upon me by an aunt who really really adored it and really uh, stressed that I should check it out. Um, and so when I think of Star Wars, I really kind of just, to be honest, I really only just think of the original trilogy. Um, when, when it came to the prequels, I got burned pretty hard uh, as a fan at that time. Um, and when this came around, I didn't have a lot of optimism for it. I figured it was going to be like, yeah, they're making another Star Wars thing, but they won't be able to recapture the essence of Star Wars, uh, which I do have some feelings about, I guess, that maybe I'll get into as, as we continue. But um, I think as, for me, I consider it more, though it is a continuation, more of a reboot. Um, and I do think that in that sense, uh, The Force Awakens is a really successful movie, but um, for, yeah, for me, there's just, I don't know. I just don't know that for me, there's going to be anything that will recapture the original magic, not because of the films themselves necessarily, but because of the age I was when I saw them and how embittered I was by the uh, the prequel trilogy. So I'm pretty stuck in a time and place with Star Wars, with just the originals. I think with the love of watching the original trilogy, I think or like keeping in mind what made those movies so special. I think the reason I really loved watching The Force Awakens for the first time, I saw it in theaters and I actually saw it with a friend who's really into the Star Wars universe. And he just was bawling and bawling and bawling through like lots of the scenes. So it was like nice to like share that moment with him and a couple of other friends. But I think what makes Force Awakens so successful in my mind is that it it has new new and fresh 
takes and opportunities to explore new types of characters. Like the fact that we get a character that's a stormtrooper who is defected and like, that's so cool. And you get it, you get insight into, it's not a rehash of like, you have good, you have the Jedi's and then you have evil. You have Darth Vader or the prototype of Darth Vader. It's like, it, it complicates the sides and it creates in my mind more nuances when you understand like what people are involved or like what characters are involved in this battle um, from, you know, the dark side and the light side and things like that. And so, um, yeah, the character of Finn, I think is just super, super interesting. And uh, I think rewatching this for the second time, I enjoyed the, uh, Daisy Ridley's performance even more. Um, I thought, I don't know what, she, I don't know what is in store for her in the next two movies, but I thought her performance was so, um, was so intense and there's this like focus in her eyes and the strength. And I was just like, and focusing on another, an additional female main character that's like not Princess Leia from the first movies. I, I just like, and you have her summoning up her strength and summoning up the force to use it. I think her performance is so, so good. So I think fresh takes for me is what makes the force uh, awakens so good. Yeah. I really like the force awakens. I think it's pretty good. I think there's like definitely stuff that you can like nitpick and kind of dislike about it. And I think that's fine. But like, I, we talked about this a little bit. Like I really want to try to remember how much I liked this because um, in our Wookiee with that episode, we talked a lot about what we didn't like with um, uh, Rise of Skywalker. And I need to like try to detach these two things because like there is a lot to enjoy about this. Um, and it's one of those things where like, we, I saw Rise of Skywalker and it felt like it was about to ruin Star Wars for me. And the only thing that saved me was Clone Wars because Clone Wars is so amazing. Um, but like, I'm, I'm excited because like, I remember seeing this in theaters. I actually saw it with Dave and some of our friends uh, for my first viewing. Um, and it was exciting. And it was like, like Christine, what you were saying, like I loved the characters. I think like their dynamics are all really good. Um, I really love Oscar Isaac is a total smoke show and I'm in love with him, but, um, John Boyega is fantastic and he's like just such a good actor. And then like Daisy Ridley is the, you know, lead in this. And like, I got to see like a version of like what I hoped to be when I was a kid. Like it's, it's a girl like starring in Star Wars in like a really big way and being like the focal point. So like that was a very cool experience seeing it for the first time I remember. Um, and I enjoy watching it anytime I've rewatched it. Um, last time I cried a lot as soon as I saw Princess Leia because now like anytime I see Carrie Fisher, I just start bawling my eyes out. But I think that is just, uh, you know, gonna happen. <laughs> so I just have to deal with that, but. Um, yeah, like this is fun and there's a lot of cool stuff in it. I'm excited for us to talk about. Yeah. Thanks for sharing everybody. I, I feel so similar to everything that you just said. Like Dave, I, I can even understand like your hesitation with these new movies. I, I think like what I 
really appreciate the force awakens and I'm glad like this was the first one that I, I really, um, like I gave time to is because of like the heart that this movie has. And I think that the original trilogy, like the characters in the trilogy itself just like have so much heart and goodness to them. Like even, even characters like Darth Vader, um, you just, you are drawn to them because they are so human. And I think that the force awakens like really does that. It taps back into it, which the, I like, you know, the, the prequels say what you want. You know, some people are liking them a little bit more now because of clone wars. Some people still hate them. But like, <laughs> but the thing about it is, is like those movies definitely were missing the heart and like likable characters. Anakin fucking sucked. He sucked. I'm so like, I get it. Clone Wars is better. Fine. But what we saw in those movies really just didn't do the, the franchise justice. And so. And it's also a journey that ends with something we already know and complicates things with trade embargoes that don't mean anything, which is most of the substance of some of the movies. So it's, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, who doesn't want to talk about trade embargoes when we talk about Star Wars? <laughs> right, and, and like, think, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think what was so refreshing about The Force Awakens, first time seeing it, was like, oh, BB 8 is a real prop, they are actually in like sets, and you know, there's of course tons of special effects, <clears throat> tons of green screen. Uh, but JJ Abrams, the director, really trying to bring that lived in universe feel that was missing from. Uh, especially episodes two and three, which were, you know, pretty much all on just green screen sets, as opposed to trying to build real locations and feel this kind of grittiness that uh, the original trilogy really capitalized on. And, I mean, like, um, your Force Awakens, like, lightsaber battles, um, they're they're really good. They're way more reminiscent of, like, the original trilogy, which I, I found really satisfying and surprising, especially after the prequels, where it's just like, oh, we're fighting on multiple levels of a collapsing volcano and all this nonsense. Um, and like Yoda, who's like a Jedi master who like can literally like throw Senate seats at uh, Palpatine, but is still relying on a lightsaber. That doesn't make any damn sense. So just the prequels. I, I just can't. I mean, this, this movie does, handles it much better. The light. Yeah heat of the lightsabers across people's faces as you can see the droplets of sweat on their cheek i was like this is absolutely wonderful i mean it's horrible for them but for me it's <laughs> sure. great to watch i mean i and think this oh sorry go ahead dave oh no i was just gonna say like i mean you know with with the originals and with these lightsaber battles again by contrast to the prequels it's like the drama is that it's you're seeing these characters like practically sword fighting. Like you're seeing like the emotions that go into like the physical weight of like having to, you know, use, use your, your sword as an obstacle against another person's sword. And like, it's very tactile and it feels very, uh, very, you know, um, very true to life as opposed to like, again, doing like backflips off of these elaborate CG sets and all this nonsense that totally deflates the value of a lightsaber battle. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so glad you brought those scenes up because I think like cinematography of this movie is just like Connor, you mentioned it. it's just like out of this world, <laughs> literally. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I I really appreciate even though they're not like practical effects, but like a return to that kind of stuff. Um, you know, for for me, talking about all of this heart, talking about all of these like really. <sighs> 
interesting and well thought out characters made me think of like specific characters in general and the journeys that they go through. And so like, you know, for me, I really love Darth Vader and I love Kylo Ren as well. And, you know, I think Dave, you were right when you said like this was a little bit of a reboot and the the comparison between Kylo Ren and Darth Vader is just like really fascinating to me because I feel like in the original trilogies, like I didn't get the sense that Darth Vader was Darth Vader until like much later on. Whereas like this movie, they show you that Kylo Ren is like a piece of shit immediately. And I just like, I feel like that is really interesting and, you know, I was wondering, like, what are some of the other moments or characters that you thought really came through, shined through in, in this movie? I think Harrison Ford does a really excellent job of recapturing who Han Solo is, especially, like, really? 30 years later when him and Princess Leia are separated. Um, I, I just love the idea that Han Solo, when he you know, faced with this crisis of his son turning to the dark side and becoming just a really big shithead, goes back to what he knows and just being, like, trying to recapture his kind of, like, smuggling roots. And I think the scene with him and Adam Driver on the bridge at the end when, spoiler alert, Han Solo dies, and he goes to touch Ben Solo's face at the end, I think, I don't know, I just, that scene just, even watching it, like, I had to stop what I was doing just, just, it gave me such the chills. There are moments of his performance that seem a little, like, stiff or that he's doing the old Harrison Ford thing, like, I'm getting paid a lot of money to say these lines, and here it goes. And that's <laughs> yeah, what I, I like about like Harrison Ford's performance. <laughs> that's what I kind of like about it, yeah, he's there to like, get his paycheck. He finally got what he wanted with being killed off. Um, <laughs> if you don't know, Harrison Ford wanted to be killed off at the end of Empire Strikes Back, uh, but they, that, that didn't happen, and so it was sort of like a nice meta moment when he actually did get killed off. On that, on that front, I would have to disagree because I do feel like Harrison Ford is doing a Harrison Ford impression in this movie, um, that it doesn't feel like the character anymore, that it feels like a performance based on a performance rather than a lived-in character, um, which I don't feel about most of the characters in this movie. I think Carrie Fisher transla- does a great job of, of uh, reprising Leia. Um, Mark Hamill in uh, the movie after this knockout as uh, Luke Skywalker once again, but I feel like Harrison Ford is phoning it in, personally. How many takes do you think it took uh, for Mark Hamill to turn around and go? I was just watching that Six. final scene. I was like, <laughs> and do it again. And he's like. <laughs> well, also knowing who Mark Hamill is, I feel like he was probably fucking around so much with that, you probably. know? <laughs> he was doing like the uh, the dramatic gopher of just like, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great behind the scenes video of a table reading for episode seven, and they had Mark Hamill do the voice direction, uh, the like the um, stage directions for it, because he's only in it at the very end and doesn't say anything. And then there's just a great moment where he's like, Well, that's just me then. I turn around and yeah, I just, <laughs> I just love Mark Hamill. Um, I, I mean, like, you know, seeing all the old characters is definitely like you know, even if they're not great, like, I still got, like, the chills and excitement when I saw Harrison Ford and stuff, like, it was just, I was like, uh, oh, it's, it's the things that I love, um, but, like, I think really, like, I, I love, like, all of the, the new characters, and I think all of their performances are really great, um, especially, um, John Boyega and, uh, Oscar Isaac, their chemistry is just 
fucking incredible. I love it so much. Um, but like specifically, I just think John Boyega is so good um, with grappling, being a stormtrooper, having like an actual moment of realization of like what's going on and like trying to become like a better person and try to become a hero throughout this. It's it's just so good. He's like so charismatic and fun to watch in this movie. The scene where I don't know what the setting is called, but it's like the bar cafe scene. Um awesome. when what's what it what it's where it, they meet the uh, Moscato's castle. Yeah, okay, the castle, not a cafe. <laughs> it's a castle. Um where he turns to Ray and is like you ha- you don't know what I've been through. You don't know anything about me. Yeah. And, uh, or maybe he says that to some, I don't know. The point is, is he's, he's declaring, you don't know what my story is. You, you don't know anything about me. And like, I thought that scene was one of the most effectively emotional and focused scenes of the movie. I thought even more so than the death of Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that's definitely a testament to to John Boyega's performance. Um, and then he can tr- he can like do that scene and then like turn around and like have a like a light comedic sort of tête à tête with some other characters. And yeah, it's 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 really it's fun to watch. And he and uh, and Daisy Ridley are really fun to watch when they're running around uh, the 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 ship trying to hide from the like factions of people that show up i, I don't have any when they, when they fly the ship and she realizes that she can fly it and then he's able to like uh like do all the guns and stuff and then they go up to each other and he's like oh you did so great and you did so great and it's just like such a heartwarming like adorable scene with these people like cheering each other on which like I know we were, I'm trying to at least make this focused on The Force Awakens, but, you know, that's what makes the rest of the series, like, just really heartbreaking because, you know, they separate Rey and Finn in The Last Jedi. Goodbye, Dave. Is he still here? Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. Dave, come back. Um, Technology problems. I'll shoot him a text. I'm just going to rein I know. <laughs> the virtual waiting room. <laughs> Welcome back. Right. Yeah, my yeah. internet connection's real bad. I, I missed almost all of what you guys just said. Yeah, no problem. <clears throat> um, what was... I was working on a thought. I don't think that it matters. They oh. separate uh, Ray and Finn. In last Je- uh, in the second last the last Jedi, yeah, 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 and then like you know, having a stormtrooper rebel is something that like you know the the other six movies like never explored, and the fact that like these didn't is really really disappointing. They had so like the next two don't continue his story, or like I mean. Like, he has a role, but, like, not in a great way. And then in Rise of Skywalker, they they show us a faction of other stormtroopers that have um, rebelled. And you're like, no, you just fucking, like, totally took away everything that really made Finn unique. Because you didn't give him anything else. So, you know, like, 
this is the movie of potential. And like, I, I really like The Last Jedi also um, because of the the Rey and Kylo Ren parts. Um, but everything else I'm like a little disappointed by. Um, but but anyway, it yeah, this movie had, the potential was there. The beginnings were there. That's disappointing. Um, s- something else that I really like that this movie does that I think the original trilogy did so well is exploring the light and dark side with the acknowledgement of like it's not there like that dichotomy doesn't exist like there's gray and people have all of that inside of them and i think you really see that in the force awakens the prequels fuck no um but in this they really brought that back yeah uh i mean that to me i don't know <clears throat> that loses me a little bit um, I don't know if, am I still? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry. Um, I, I, I think I've talked about this a little bit before, but like the, the focusing so much on that gray area, as opposed to the like central principle duality of the empire versus the rebels, light versus dark, Sith versus Jedi. I think while it does a great job of expanding the universe, it diminishes the impact of that struggle, which is for me what makes the original trilogy so great is that it's these stories are very simple and i feel like they try to throw so much stuff into these new movies that it like i mean one example that comes to mind not so much maybe in this one but maybe more like last jedi where we have um benicio del toro's tangent with finn which is like i love benicio del toro it's a great actor he's good in the movie but that slows that movie down so much and it's only all it says is that like, hey, there's people that like live outside of this dichotomy. And it's like, well, if that's the central story, then why are we wasting our time with exploring this so thoroughly? I don't know. For, for me, it just it slows things down a little bit. Although I appreciate that it allows for other people to find more range in other characters. I guess I'm just not as interested in that. Maybe, maybe I prefer a simpler Star Wars. I don't know. I think like down the line, it's disappointing because it's like they want to explore it, it seems like in these movies, but then as it gets further into it, they decide not to really explore that. Like, I will argue all day. I want to see a gray Jedi order. I think that's fucking fascinating. I like want that so much. Um, But like, it's, I don't know, it's like they're trying to be like, yeah, there, there's like all this other stuff. And then it always just kind of comes back to like, no, it's like good and evil. And they just like don't know really what they want to do. And that's, that's really frustrating. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. Because like, <clears throat> if these side tangents went anywhere. Yeah. And ex- enhanced the principal conflict, then mm-hmm. maybe I feel like they would have more impact. But it just feels like an opportunity to have some of those central characters do other things, yeah. which feels like a wasted opportunity, especially if they don't follow up on it. Mm. I mean, in The Force Awakens, I, I liked that you saw Kylo Ren as sort of this impetuous teenager type, <laughs> um, which I loved yeah. when the movie first came out, everyone's like <clears throat> quick takes on whether they hated or loved Kylo Ren and um, what's his name's performance. But... Um, I think something that I always had issues, not issues with, but always wondered from the first movies was really at the heart of why, why was Darth Vader 
still working or like what made him tick? Like, why was he evil? And I know probably I need to rewatch the, the, you know, episodes one through three to you get don't, that you evolution. Don't. <laughs> well, but, what I, but what I appreciate, his character sometimes felt very one dimensional and maybe that was to build a more simplistic or not simplistic, but simple and straightforward good versus evil narrative. But I liked in The Force Awakens that you not only get a sense of Kylo Ren's struggle to understand who he is and whether he still has ties to his parents. And um, with the introduction of Domhnall Gleeson's character, the general, it made so much sense that they were competitors and that you could see a lot of Kylo Ren's motivations to do these evil things as born from wanting to one-up his competitor and who he's trying to vie for uh, a snake, Snoke, Snoke, Snoke's attention and favor. And I felt like those details of the scenes with the general and Kylo Ren in front of Snoke made a lot of sense to give you more information about his, his motivations, which I didn't find all the time with Darth Vader's character. Hmm. It's interesting you say that because it does remind me inherently of uh, Within a New Hope, episode four of um, Darth Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin, how it's, um, you know, the, he's sort of the general of the empire, but oh, Vader so is, yeah. is kind of more the, the uh, more traditional like Sith um, influence on the, the, the dark side of the empire. Um, so... I don't know. I, I, it feels it feels similar, but yeah, you're right. It's it's different because it's kind of more maximalized in this movie, or it's more uh, acted upon, which is a really smart movie. Yeah, yeah like, I think I probably just need to rewatch the originals too. Like, I can appreciate that Darth Vader and Kylo Ren were kind of like bitch boys for like a larger villain, right? So you know, you have the Emperor, and then you have the emperor again, but like, you know, who we are introduced in this movie is Snoke. And so like, I think the exploration of how they handle that is how each character handles that is different, right? You have like Darth Vader, who is mostly like, yeah, fine, whatever. I'm competent. I can do this. And then you have like this teenager who clearly is in competition with General Hux and does have the fight within him. So like like he'll never quite be Darth Vader, and 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 I, I I like that, but I can definitely see how you know if you like something that's good and evil, like you wouldn't you wouldn't appreciate that effort. I I do really like that actually because um, yeah because it's so different. I mean, it introduces a whole new vibe. Kylo Ren was a great addition to the series, um, and yeah, specifically Sam, as you're saying, because it does bring some dimensionality to it in the sense that. Um, I mean, Vader was Vader was like a, an established force in no pun intended in the uh, the original trilogy. But like you know, Ren is is trying to, is living in his shadow. In addition to the fact that Vader's legacy has been tarnished, if not disgraced, as a result of the end of the original trilogy. So it's yeah, there's a, there's a lot to pry into there, and I think the movie does a really great job of exploring that in particular. I think the uh, scenes also with Kylo Ren and Rey uh, when Rey has been captured and Kylo Ren is trying to get the map from her brain, those are so intense when Kylo Ren's using the force to try to mind read her and then it it gets into these like intense 
questions of like coercion and consent. And you're just like, Oh, this is like, Mm. I'm feeling this. Like as far as like, like a, a character in enacting sort of this, this tendency to have control and power and, and how, how rooted and in problem this, this, this dynamic really is. And then to watch Ray summon her own force and strength and get out of those restraints and then like fucking start climbing the walls of the ship or wherever she is. Just like, yeah, really, really cool. There's Um, like something kind of interesting about all that too, where it's like, I don't know, like you see Ray like so effortlessly, like figure out her powers in this. And it's like kind of cool because it's, she's like the first like, female in this series that you're seeing like work through harnessing the force like for the first time and because of that it's like this interesting thing where I I keep being like oh is it this like whole like um like female intuition of just like trusting your instincts and guts as opposed to like these men that seem to need all this training and have this more like logical like look at it and like it pisses him off that she's so naturally good at this because like he probably didn't trust his instincts and has had like big issues like figuring out who he is his whole life and so like it I think that's like really fascinating um and I think about that all the time when I see her like getting to know herself in this movie but even like but that go ahead Dave go ahead I was going to take it down a different road. Oh, oh yeah, no, I was just going to add that, like, yeah, I mean, Tori, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's, you know, Kylo Ren is under the tutelage and has been of, um, of Snoke, which, you know, we later find out is Emperor, so, like, a Sith Lord, um, as opposed to um, as opposed to Rey, who just, you know, over completely overpowers his training with her own innate and intuitive ability. Um it feels to me like that's the that's the key moment when this becomes a, a rebrand or a reboot of the series because it it shatters a lot of those old dichotomies in a way that I find is really awesome. That scene is great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that scene is so critical. I'm so glad we're talking about this because, you know, it is a, it first of all it tells you a lot about who Kylo Ren is and obviously a lot about who Rey is but it's also directly linked to the very similar scene in A New Hope where you have Vader trying to get an answer out of Leia and he also can't the only reason why Leia tells him the the coordinates of the rebel base is because she thinks they're going to blow up Alderaan they do anyway but Vader couldn't do it. So it's making direct connections that he can't um he can't live up to Vader because Vader was not that good either, you know? Like I think that obviously like they both were, you know, big villains, but there's still left a lot to be a lot to be cultivated, which is why the emperor could uh, manipulate both of them so easily. Which yeah, I think is is largely illustrative of the that dichotomy in the, the light and dark side is that, you know, when you, when you rely on <clears throat> using the force for duplicitous reasons or for like the reasons that the empire or the Sith Lords are, are, are enacting it, even with expert training, it, it's, it's not, 
let's say, the proper use of the force as executed by Jedi Array. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's kind of naturally more powerful on their part. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, something I wanted to talk about, and I think we really did, is like what the legacy of Star Wars is. And I think we just hit the nail on the head there that, you know, good always triumphs over evil because it's just naturally more powerful. Um, I feel like I can talk about The Force Awakens and Star Wars literally forever. <laughs> um, but is there anything in particular about The Force Awakens that you wanted to talk about we didn't get to? Um, I remember when the teaser trailer for this movie came out. Um, and I feel like I don't really remember watching trailers, but I remember this one really stuck out. It was right before Thanksgiving. We were hanging out at Alyssa's dad's house. Um, and I just remember, oh, the teaser trailer's out. And then it's like, I think it's a voiceover of Snoke. You see a desert and then you see Finn pop up like a black stormtrooper, And you're like, oh, this movie's going to be something totally, you know, like um, just a really exciting adventure going forward. And then you see the Millennium Falcon zoom in, flipping upside down, BB-8 rolling across. Um, so I think one source of joy for this movie is just remembering that moment, the teaser trailer and be like, oh, the future of Star Wars is really exciting. Um, it's definitely for me personally uh, has gone down in my excitement level over the years. Um, but that one moment was really special with that teaser trailer. And I don't really remember watching trailers for movies in general. So I think that says the power that The Force Awakens, uh, the potential of it has been brought up a few times. I remember, I think in that trailer, you see the like melted helmet of Darth Vader. And I remember the person I was watching it with, he went, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely excitement. Um, cool. Anything else? I think before that movie came out... For me, the big question was, is Luke going to show up? Like, how far into the movie is Luke going to show up? Like, you know, and then when I first watched it, it was like halfway through, I was like, I'm not going to see Luke. And then I'm like, <laughs> right, you know, right as the credits are about to roll, we see a cloaked Mark Hamill. We're like, okay, we get a little tasty. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I'd be so curious to see what the sequel trilogy looked like if The Force Awakens ended with Rey and Chewie zooming off in the light speed. And that's how the movie ended. Um, I feel like for me, that's the biggest question of like, that's the divergent point with the franchise is where Ryan Johnson didn't really have a choice for The Last Jedi. He had to make it happen in that next moment when maybe if it could just cut off at hyperspeed, there could have been a bit of a time jump or the story could have looked a little differently. So I think for me, that's one of the biggest lingering questions is what happens if that movie ended just... 30 seconds earlier than it did. How different would the sequel trilogy be? Or like, you know, if if Carrie Fisher, you know, was still with us, mm -hmm. like what Rise of Skywalker so would have looked like, that they couldn't use, you know, her death as an excuse for racism. Like, cool. I'd like to see what they would say instead, you know? I wonder, I wonder what would have happened if J.J. Abrams didn't direct the third movie. <laughs> if only um i guess <clears throat> um i just really quickly add that um yeah though though i am you know like pretty much a, a solely a devotee of the originals um i'm really as connor mentioned happy to see them branching off into more inclusive storylines um that that are that draw on um <clears throat> on uh, actors of color or or um or empowered, um, empowered a dynamic uh, central female characters. It's always a great move for any franchise. 
I would note that they've already gotten that wrong once, though. Uh, in Solo, one thing that really bothers me is, um, uh, along, among a lot of things, um, is <clears throat> the sort of um, the, the robot, um, uh, Lando's robot, I think it's L337. Um, and there's this notion that her struggle and the struggle of droids is almost analogous to the struggle of oppressed minorities, which is a bad idea if your analog is literally robots. <laughs> so I think they've made a lot of strides, but they should be careful. because, Or, or, or should at least involve, um, involve a, a, a lot more people in terms of writing, because I think... Though their intentions are good, there are moments like that where the, if they're going to go that route without genuinely being inclusive and thoughtful about these things, then it can be a really embarrassing thought. And I think that's an example of that. That's a really good I think, point. I think one thing that's good to mention, just because like, you know, talking about like the future of Star Wars and like what that looks like for fans and like young fans now, um, when I got out of Rise of Skywalker, I was like very shaky and had been crying a lot because watching the last of the trilogy of three trilogies was very emotional. Um, but I was like cleaning myself up in the bathroom and this very young girl was in the bathroom washing her hands and just humming the theme song to Star Wars and like so excited after she got out of the movie. And that like, give me all the joy in the world where I was like nothing else fucking matters because like this little girl was so happy seeing Star Wars and that was really awesome I wish I had that experience after Rise of Skywalker <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> um Okay, everybody, thank you for a really great discussion about Star Wars and about The Force Awakens. This is a, a low-key uh, Wookiee with that episode um so I have two last things before we say goodbye. One, we all took a Star Wars character quiz to find out who we are in this universe. And then the whiteboard question. So why don't we do the quiz results first? And uh, who would like to go first? Um, I can go. This is, um, <clears throat> this is a quiz through what? How Stuff Works? Um, which Sam, great quiz. I know that you uh, you looked through a couple to find uh, to find a good one, and this was a great one. Um, and it, my result was Princess Leia. Um, Me too. Says, uh, Me too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> really? Oh, nice. Well, which says, um, oh, really? Is it? Yeah. It says um, you have the heart of Princess Leia. There's no doubt about it. Uh, at first, people may think uh, you're the sort of person who doesn't have a lot of power, but that's because they don't know you and what you can do. You're organized, determined, and you won't let anyone walk all over you, no matter what the situation. Um, which is great to hear that a lot of us got that. It's mm -hmm. good. How about you, Christine? <laughs> I did not get Princess Leia. I got Kylo Ren. <laughs> um... Apparently, my answers were giving a clear Kylo Ren vibe. I'm carrying around some rage and frustration around, uh, and without getting too specific about anything, it seems like I have some family issues plaguing my good vibes. You want, I want to fit in and belong somewhere. It's just that too many people keep letting me down. <laughs> 
Well, as one of your four mothers, I'm really sorry, Christine. Well, you know, that's what happens when you take a quiz and just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Although, the, do they have a video with your answer? Yeah, they had a... Uh, it's just a little description, I think, right? Oh, like there's little... a GIF. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a oh. GIF of her. So, like Kylo Ren's GIF. Oh, yeah is not from Force Awakens, and I can't wait to encounter this scene in the future movies. He's like in this really like sleek black tunic, and he's got his thing, and he's running after Luke, and right at the, right at the stomach, and then Luke can't be sawed in half. So I can't wait to encounter that. In a That's a great scene. Yeah, yeah, it is. Can you give me a hint? Tell me which movie it's it from. The Last Jedi. It's the one after this, yeah. Oh, great. I was going was gonna to watch that soon anyways. Yeah, there. It's on Disney Plus. All oh, Star Wars movies oh, are on yeah. Disney Plus. Uh, Rise of Skywalker is not on there yet. <laughs> Price. <laughs> oh darn. <laughs> <laughs> you can rent it for twenty dollars though, as if they're going to get any more of my money. Absolutely not. I saw that three times. I like can't. <laughs> um. Okay, and so then. Finally, to end this episode, let's do the whiteboard question, which is, you get to travel the galaxy, but your co-pilot is someone from the Star Wars universe. Who would it be and why? This is like the pick your Pokemon partner question. It's really tough. Yeah, I definitely swiped this from Christine. Um, Well, I have my answer, which um, initially I thought it would be Poe Darren, so I could try to seduce him, but I don't think I'll ever be able to be Finn. So I just think that's unrealistic. Um, so I think my choice would have to be Ahsoka Tano from Clone Wars. Um, Ahsoka is introduced as Luke's, or not Luke, um, as Anakin's Padawan. And she's fucking fantastic. She, you like get to watch her kind of going through her Jedi training and proving herself and um, you know, being under Anakin's tutelage is, uh, I'm, uh, as sure you guys know, uh, kind of problematic since he has a lot of issues. Uh, and she navigates that really well um, and kind of goes off on her own after a while. And she's just like a really fucking strong, badass female bitch. So I want to ride all over the galaxy with her. I think I'm between Lando Calrissian and BB-8. Because so I love me some droids. I love the droids of Star Wars. Uh, but Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian, also super cool. Um, Just so, laughing all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I think it, it's like 50-50 between those two. I think for me, it's also split. I had to look this name up, I'll be honest. Um, Jin Urso from Rogue One. Um, like lo- love watching that movie as she finds the plans to blow up the deaths well you know setting everything in motion she along with like thousands of other people have to die with the cause she's a fighter but i also it's split between her and mando he's got a real name and i don't know i watched the mandalorian and mando is so wonderful such a strong gentle soul until they probably come out with the Mandalorian too and reveal that he's terrible, but who knows? Well, my favorite character is going to be in the second season of the Mandalorian. So I'm very excited. Ooh. Uh, um, well, uh, my first instinct was to go with uh, wedge Antilles. 
Um, he is the uh, X-Wing leader of uh, the Red Squadron, um, who is a fantastic pilot, one of the best. He's kind of the prototype for, uh, for Poe in the original trilogy. Um, but, you know, he's, he's better left leading the Rebellion and uh, as the leader of Rogue Squadron, piloting his own X-Wings. Uh, I'll even be. Uh, I guess <clears throat> that being said, then I would go with IG-88. Uh, IG-88 is a droid uh, bounty hunter uh, in kind of like along the uh, the level, uh, professional level of like your Boba Fett or your Bosk. Um, but I'd go with him because uh, he's um, within um, a comic series that came out called Shadows of the Empire, which is in between uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, he's shown as an incredible pilot um, as well as like a really um, motivated and like very uh, very pragmatic pilot. Um, so I guess all things considered, I'd probably trust a droid. Uh, and for all my kvetching about um, about my preference for the the stark duality of Star Wars, I would probably realistically find myself somewhere in that gray area. So I'd probably be in league with the bounty hunters. Great. Um, I, to the surprise of no one, would pick R two D two because he's great. <laughs> um, the screaming is quite honestly one of the funniest things that I've ever heard in my whole life. Um, Empire Strikes Back is just gold of like perfect R2-D2 moments. Um, I do think though, I, I'm a, I'm a woman that likes to fix things. and I (laughs) think it would be interesting to travel with uh, Darth Vader a little bit. Um, The end scene in Rogue One, when he just like busts on the ship and it's like, dark and then oh my god the lightsaber scene is so so good um but if you haven't seen it please watch that scene but britney spears is uh give me more over it like there's nothing better i've seen in my life it's very worth it um cool great um thanks for a really awesome conversation about star wars um please go see the force awakens if you want to and what do we have to promote? Tori, feels like you've got something. Uh, well, Cinema 76 is always a good place to go for some movie reviews. And uh, yeah, we have our John Waters week coming up. Um, I think starting, I forget, whatever Monday is. Um, the 20th, uh, because his birthday is actually that week. Um, it is also the 40th anniversary of John Carpenter's The Fog. Um, so people should watch that coming up also. Uh, friend of the show, uh, Christina Rosso Schneider has a book coming out, I think as of this recording, comes out tomorrow or in a few days called She's a Beast. So definitely recommend checking that out on a Novel Ideas website, Facebook page, et cetera. And they also have a GoFundMe set up right now. Um, so if you have the means and you can donate, small businesses are for sure hurting right now. Um, so definitely support them if you can. Um, and like either buy some books for them or maybe donate something to the GoFundMe. And am I right, Tori, that they've digitized their entire catalog, like their entire inventory, so people can see what they have available? Yeah, if you go to their website um, where you can see where you can order Christine's book, if you check, you can look at their inventory for what's in stock or go to bookshop.org and they get a portion of proceeds for all of the books you buy from there also. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool, great. All right, everybody. 
Um, thanks for joining. Be sure to check us out on all of our social medias. Send us an email, butterwiththatpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Oh, thank you. Well Good done. job. <laughs>